0: Welcome back to another edition of Bavarian Podcast Works. This is Chuck Smith, and I'm here to bring you the weekend warm-up, BFW's weekly show where we hit on all of the latest and greatest news of the week. And wow, what an effing week this has been on so many levels. And in a lot of ways, I wish I could just drop the F-bomb, since that's how I talk 99.9% of the time anyway. But we do have some younger listeners And some other listeners who may not appreciate it, so I'll just stop with the effing. But before I dive into all of that craziness, and believe me, there has been some craziness, uh, I do want to take a couple of minutes here to say thanks uh, to Philip Quinn. Uh, Many of you have read Phil's stuff on our site. You've gotten to know Phil through the comments, Uh, Phil is one of what I would consider the founding fathers of BFW, and I think you could make a very strong argument that he is among the most important people, if not the most important person, to uh, ever really play a role at BFW. Phil does so much. Uh, Over the past few years, he hasn't written as much as probably he did in the beginning, but Phil has always been a constant presence And he did so much of the back-end work for us, whether it was editing or making sure that my posts got out on time because I am the king of scheduling the wrong times or uh, doing other stupid things to prevent them from going out. Phil was the man in always being able to uh, keep an eye on me, keep an eye on the site. Uh, He just was a tremendous presence, always good for a laugh. We had a lot of great discussions on our Slack channel, uh, Phil's just a tremendous one-of-a-kind guy, uh, and like I said, he meant so much to the site, so much to the BFW community. Really wanted to give him a little bit of a tribute here, uh, because he deserves it. I mean, he's had a long run. I think it's something like 11 or 12 years, which is like a lifetime for some of you listening. And he just has been a dynamic presence for BFW, whether it was his writing, whether it was covering news stories, his commentaries they were all great. One thing that I really appreciated from Phil was that he had a really strong and I mean strong uh love for writing about Bayern Munich's youth teams and the Frauen which I also share those two passions. So it was really great to be able to connect with Phil, work with him on some of that stuff and we typically would work together to make sure that we were covering all of that big news that would come out that you know some other Bayern sites might not get to and that you might have trouble finding elsewhere on the internet, and Phil was a real champion of that, and, uh, you know, we're going to miss him greatly at BFW, and, you know, he'll still be around the comments, I'm sure, and, you know, he has, without a doubt, uh, you know, I think made his mark on the site, and made his mark with many of you in the community, so, you know, we'll all be feeling the sting of that loss, but, you know, when it's time, it's time, and Phil felt like he needed some uh it was he was ready for something else that he was gonna move on and, and take this free time. He's got a busy family life, I'm sure, and uh, you know, I just wanted to take a just a couple of minutes just to say how important Phil was, to thank Phil for everything he has done and uh you know, really want to thank him for all the help he's given me personally as well. He's just a tremendous guy. So Phil, if you're listening to this and you better be considering, you know, it's the BFW podcast. Uh, Thanks for everything and and just want to let you know that everyone at BFW, from the staff to the community, all appreciates everything that you've done to help get this site where it is today. So uh, there is my glowing Phil tribute. I meant every word of it and uh, we're really sad to see him go. But now we will transition over to what I described as the effing crazy news of the week. And where do you start in a week like this? Where else but up at the top? And we're going to talk about Robert Lewandowski. Now, Lewandowski has had this on-again, off-again affair with FC Barcelona over the past couple of months. You know, we could track everything back to not getting a deal done. Uh, Lewandowski, obviously, I think at the beginning of all of this, wanted a contract extension with Bayern Munich. I think he wanted to stay. I also think he wanted to stay on his terms, which probably meant another three years at probably 30 million euro per season, which honestly, it's not really like out of hand for a player like him based on his performance and everything he's done and how he's kept himself in shape and really just how he looks like he'll be able to maintain this rate for at least another couple of seasons. I think that Lewandowski making those kind of requests... Was was not out of line. But the latest news that we found out today, and this was first reported by Build, and then it was picked up by Sport1's Carrie Howe, who confirmed it. Kicker confirmed it. Uh, Christian Falk, uh, Toby Altschoffel, they've all chimed in on this. And what they're all saying is that Robert Lewandowski wants to leave Bayern Munich this summer. He has told the club that. He wants to move to FC Barcelona. He wants to do it now. He does not want to wait. And now, and only now, the club is considering letting him go. How much will they get for Lewandowski? Probably not as much as he's worth. The rumored figures we've seen are anywhere between 30 million and 40 million euro, which in my mind is not enough for a player like him. But I think Bayern Munich right now is in the worst possible spot. And I'm going to combine... I combine two of the things that we learned this week. Like, of course, this part of what we learned is that Robert Lewandowski uh, wants to leave Bayern Munich. But the second thing that we learned this week is that Erling Haaland has signed or is about to sign with Manchester City, I should say. Manchester City, of course, uh, said as much on their social media. They tweeted out that they are going to activate the release clause on Erling Haaland. We have read reports that Haaland has already been in Manchester City been with Manchester City to take his physical, so that looks like it's a done deal. But how these two things that we learned play together and how they they touch each other are that if Robert Lewandowski truly is leaving Bayern Munich, I think this is a huge gaffe by the Bavarian's front office in not being able to secure Holland. you you can't replace Lewandowski in everything he does. It's impossible. But if you were going to have to replace him. Holland is the only capable replacement available. And I have no doubt in saying that. There is no one else that could remotely come close who is available on the market right now to, to matching what Lewandowski can do aside of Holland. So these two things that we learned this week are indeed ingrained because I don't know how Bayern put itself in this position. According to the reports today... Lewandowski has told Byron for quite a while now that he wants to leave this summer, and I don't know if the club thought he was bluffing, and we don't know if they were just going to ignore it and let him ride out this deal, but it looks like a couple of things are going on. Lewandowski has apparently, according to some reports, been unhappy around the team. In fact, it's starting to rub off on some of his teammates uh, that he has not been fun to be around and is maybe becoming a bit of a distraction. Uh and his general feeling of not wanting to be at the club anymore is, is not good. It's not good to have in the locker room. And I don't think you're going to get the most out of a player who doesn't want to be there. And this is why I'm so confused at how this has all happened. Now I get the financial aspect from Bayern Munich, right? Having Lewandowski for one more year what he's worth in terms of how far the team can advance in the Champions League, what that monetary value is worth is probably a lot, probably worth more than the 30 to 40 million euro that the club would get uh, if they sold Lewandowski this summer. So I get financially, it might not make much sense to sell him. But I do think that Bayern did not factor in enough what this would mean off the pitch in terms of how Lewandowski was going to act around teammates, how teammates were going to act around him, how Julian Nagelsmann is going to plan, how they're going to get together and move forward. What is the strategic direction of this team now if Lewandowski is not at the top of the formation? There is no viable replacement. Erling Haaland, the only one on the market who could even remotely come close to doing what Lewandowski can do, is going to go to Manchester City. So right now, this has really become one of the most desperate situations that I've seen uh, as a Bayern, as someone who has followed Bayern Munich. It is, it's tragic right now. If Lewandowski leaves, this team is going to enter a season without a true nine. It's going to enter this season without someone it can depend on to score. And for as much as we all may like Thomas Muller and we may like Serge Gnabry, or Leroy Sané, or Kingsley Coman, they are not Robert Lewandowski. So whatever formation Julian Nagelsmann runs next season, if Robert Lewandowski is not at the top of it, it's not going to be anywhere near as effective. And where do you go from here if you're Bayern Munich? If you have to sell Lewandowski this summer, and according to some of the reports, it looks like they are coming around to that decision that they might just sell him because he's unhappy and doesn't want to be at the club, If they do end up doing it, where do you go? What do you do? Who do you get? I mean, we could sit here for days and for hours and discuss the possibilities of players that could maybe step in or players that are attainable, but Bayern Munich is really going to be in a bad spot. Not just a spot from where this team is going for the next few years, but how do you even compete next season in Europe without Lewandowski's presence? Yes, Byron will still be a good team. Yes, they have a, a great base of talent. But you lose Nicholas Sula. You lose Robert Lewandowski, potentially. I mean, that is tough. I mean, we're not going to get into you know, some of the minor losses on the team, but I think Sula was a really a, a keystone defender. I think Lewandowski is the best player on earth. To lose the caliber of player that those two are, all in the same summer. I mean, this could be disastrous. And I don't think this is going to be something where we see Bayern Munich drop out of the Champions League or finish 7th or 8th in the Bundesliga. That's not going to happen. Could they lose to Arbe Leipzig or Borussia Dortmund and end up in 2nd or 3rd of the Bundesliga? It would be a hell of a lot more likely without Robert Lewandowski in the lineup. Bayern Munich could quickly turn in the team turmoil without Lewandowski's presence in the lineup. We've already seen some, some back and forth banter about the front office and the coaching staff, which we'll hit on in a little bit, but right now to not have Lewandowski potentially going in the next season to me is disastrous. And it's mostly disastrous because you had an opportunity to go out and get the one player who could potentially replace him in Erling Haaland and if you knew that Lewandowski wanted to move on that badly, and there was a possibility that you might have to sell him this summer, I totally don't understand how you don't make Holland a priority. And if you want to dig deeper and deeper into this whole situation, Lewandowski, of course, was, at least according to reports, very unhappy that Bayern was even talking to Holland. So if you were going to go all in on Holland, and apparently Bayern, over the past couple of weeks, really made a hard late push for Holland if you were going to do that, then you, you had to get him. Because if you didn't, you were totally going to alienate Lewandowski. And it looks like that's what happened. It looks like that Bayern... Now, this is me. Let's throw on my tinfoil hat. You know I have about 12 of these laying around. So let me put this one on. My theory of how this all broke down, and and, and maybe this this is wrong, and probably is, is that Lewandowski at first wanted to re-up his deal and extend. Once he got the inkling that Bayern Munich was not going to match the years or match the money, then he made a conscientious decision that he wanted to move on. The next step of this was that I believe Bayern Munich did not take him seriously. I think they thought he was bluffing about wanting to move on. So they played it safe. You know, they drug these negotiations out for a long time. Remember, Lewandowski has wanted to talk to Bayern Munich since about February. Maybe even sooner. So the fact that, this, that these discussions did not heat up until really recently, it tells you that Bayern Munich didn't really have a great plan about how to handle this. So we have Lewandowski requesting a new deal. We have Bayern Munich stating that they're not going to give him what he wants. And then we have Lewandowski stating that if he can't get, can't get what he wants, then he wants to move on and he wants to do it this summer. And I think by the time that Bayern Munich took him seriously, the window to get Erling Holland had pretty much closed. And I think that's where we're at. And I think if Bayern had maybe taken Lewandowski a little bit more seriously, they might have been able to do a, a better job of convincing Erling Holland to move to Bayern Munich. Of course, if you've listened to me, I think he does want to play at Bayern at some point. But with how everything was going and Bayern not really pursuing him early on in this process and only making a last-grasp effort, I think that Holland had already decided he was going to City. And, you know, if you want to dig into that, there are rumors he may have uh, a release clause built in after two years. But I think that if Bayern Munich had approached things a little bit differently and if they had taken Lewandowski and his agent Pini Zahavi a little more seriously... They could have gotten Holland. Now, I know Holland's fee is something that has turned everyone off, and it remains to be seen exactly what that entails. We know that his family wants to get paid. We know that his former agent, uh, who, had, who has recently passed away, Mino Raiola, had wanted an exorbitant fee. We don't know if that fee would carry over to his agency, which is still handling uh, the negotiations for Holland. We don't know what Holland's salary is, so all of that will be interesting to see. But it's very disappointing in my mind that we are at the stage where Robert Lewandowski could move on, where the club had a legitimate chance to get Erling Haaland. I mean, he did visit Brazos' house not too long ago. And because they did not take Lewandowski seriously enough, because they did not react quickly enough, they're potentially going to end up this entering this summer with Lewandowski leaving and Holland signing with Manchester City, and really no good options out there that can really be a ready-made solution to fill in at striker. So I'm concerned. Now, I will throw out this caveat and, and maybe, you know, I'll throw two caveats out. One, maybe Lewandowski changes his mind. Maybe this is all being overblown I mean, you would think that all of these German outlets that have reported this story and confirmed it uh, and, and for once are all pretty much on the same page, which never happens in the German media. Um, you would think that they're all with them all being in alignment, that it's going to be 100 percent true. But let's just assume for a second that maybe it's not. Maybe it's all being overblown. Maybe it's a negotiation tactic. And maybe Lewandowski will agree to a two year deal, two year extension. And everyone will walk away happy coming out of this. And this is just all a little bit of of this situation being overhyped. That's one caveat. Could happen. Here is the most outlandish caveat, which won't happen, but I'm going to throw it out there anyway. So we did see the tweet from Manchester City saying that Holland was going to, or I'm sorry, that Manchester City was going to activate the release clause on Erling Holland. What we haven't seen yet is any official deal from Holland with City, and Borussia Dortmund with City in terms of actually finalizing that release clause and then Holland uh, signing a deal with City. So let's just say the last caveat would be that Holland has a last-minute change of heart, finds out Lewandowski is leaving, and then goes to Bayern Munich, where he's always wanted to go from the beginning, and takes over for Lewandowski and has a legendary career in Bavaria. Those are two caveats that could happen although they are not likely. So uh, those are the first two things we learned this week. And of course, with that, i am uh, if you know me, I really wanted to retain Lewandowski, but if I wasn't going to be able to do that, I wanted Holland, and I, I would have put on the full-court press. Unfortunately, for you Bayern fans, I am not Brazo, so uh, <laughs> fortunately or unfortunately there. But uh, I, I'll tell you what, uh, when this all goes official, and something happens, we'll probably have some sort of reaction show. And I hope that I'm on it because I'll have a pretty strong reaction to how all of this really went down. And, and I'll tell you, I'll be really disappointed if Lewandowski leaves, Holland signs with City, and Bayern is just there, left there holding its junk, wondering what happens. So uh, let's hope that doesn't happen. Uh, you know, those are the first two things that we learned this week. Like I said, they were tied together, and I wanted to make sure that we covered each of those. Uh, appropriately but this Lewandowski situation is really bad and it's really sad if he leaves uh kind of on this note so the third thing that we learned this week is that Marcel Sabitzer will be back next season now Sabitzer had a terrible year and you know he made a lot of us look like idiots because I was one of the people who went to bat and thought this was a great move for Bayern Munich I mean how they got such a talented guy at the price they got him for. Someone so skilled, someone that could not just contribute offensively, but was a solid defensive player as a central midfielder. I mean, Sabitzer was great for Arbe Leipzig. I mean, he is a great player. Unfortunately, he got to Bayern Munich and forgot about everything that made him great. Now, I have theorized for a long time, and you probably are all sick of hearing it, but I don't think he cannot be the alpha. I think he needs to be the starter. And I think that's just his mentality. And I think that in his mind, he believes he's going to stay here and be a starter. But I think realistically, at best, he's going to be a, the second or third midfielder off the bench next season. And, and I think he's much better than that but I don't think he's ever going to show that at Bayern Munich because he's never going to get the opportunity, for one. And I don't think he'll ever be able to maintain this form because I just don't think with his mentality that he's going to be able to take this type of arrangement. Now, it's good in a lot of respects that he wants to stick it out. Sabitzer wants to grind and he wants to show that he's better than he was this season, but you have to be on the field to do that. And is is Yashua Kimmich someone who's maniacal about playing time? Do you think he's going to step back and take less time? No, that's not going to happen. What about Leon Goretzka? Aside of Goretzka's injury tally, which, you know, he'll probably miss 10 games every season, I mean, is that enough to satisfy someone like Sabitzer? Is that is that enough to keep Sabitzer fresh and, and on point and to keep his form? I don't think so. And then you're gambling on... <laughs> Having to, to need someone to get hurt to play, I, I just don't like that. I don't like it for Sabitzer, and I wouldn't like it for anyone else. And when you factor in some of these other things that are going on, including the rumored acquisition of Ryan Gravenberch, we don't know what's happening with Mark Roca. He could leave, he could not. We're pretty sure Quentin Taliso is going to leave. But then you've also got Bayern Munich linked to players like Conrad Leimer of Arbe Leipzig, and Frankie de Jong of FC Barcelona. Now, de Jong, he's a he's a long shot. Limer, though, has a connection to Nagelsmann. He is has been rumored and linked to Bayern Munich uh, in the past, so it's not really that far-fetched that Limer could also make the move if Arbe Leipzig decides to sell. And just like we did on those first two points, I'm going to tie the fourth thing that we learned this week. Uh, Bayern Munich has a lot going on with its transfer market. Um, I'm going to tie this in with Sabitzer because they are connected because a lot of these rumored transfers uh, are in the central midfield. And, and to me, if I'm Sabitzer, I, I, you know, listen, you can only put so much weight in transfer rumors, right? I mean, there's only so much you can believe. But with Sabitzer, he's got to look at these rumors and he's got to say, well, the Gravenberg deal, it looks like it's going to happen. And even though he's younger He's a player that if Bayern Munich is going to spend money on a sub, especially this much, it could be anywhere between 22 million and 30 million euro, I mean, on a sub, then he's going to be someone who's going to get playing time at some point. And you're already battling Joshua Kimmich and Leon Goretzka. And if you look at Limer, a totally different kind of midfielder than Sabitzer, but one that Bayern Munich might need more than a, a midfielder like Sabitzer, Limer is the type of player, he's a ball winner, he's a pressing machine, as Julian Nagelsmann might say, but he is a a true six. And as a six, that would allow two things. It would allow Joshua Kimmich to step up and play the eight, which, I mean, seems like a natural fit at this point, but then that pushes Leon Goretzka out of the lineup, which do you like that? I don't know. It could go a lot of different ways, but um, it allows Bayern Munich to do that, or what could allow Julian Noblesman to explore playing a 4-3-3, but it doesn't appear that he likes to do that. It appears really like he wants to play a 3-4-2-1. So there are possibilities, but if I'm Marcel Sabitzer and I'm looking at these transfer rumors and I'm looking at the roster, and even though I may be arrogant, I may be super confident in myself because i'm a pre- professional athlete and i think you have to be a little arrogant you have to be a little cocksure to be a professional athlete i think you have to look at this situation and say how much playing time am i actually going to get and is it worth it and that's not even we've talked about limer we've talked about graven birch we haven't talked about De young at all i mean the reports that we saw today are basically say that byron munich is among the teams Looking at De and you know you could factor Manchester United and PSG in there as well, and I would say that, that Byron Bayern is probably the least likely of that trio to really go after De but Bayern has had interest in De going back what three or four years now, and De is more of an eight, I would say, in terms of how Bayern plays. Uh, so again, you add another player like that, where does he fit in? How much would he play? I just think that right now there is just a mess going on and it probably leads right into the fifth thing that we learned, but I won't announce that one just yet. I just think there's so much of a disconnect right now between the squad planners and the coaching staff that all of these rumors, I think probably have at least a little bit of truth. And it just shows that no one right now really knows what the hell this squad is going to look like heading into next season. There are so many possibilities, but Ending, finishing up on Sabitzer, I would say if I were him, I would look to move on. As noble as it is to stay and fight for your job, I don't see how he's going to get any more time than he got this year. and I think he's wasting away years in his prime. Sometimes you just have to be realistic about it. Whether you're a good player or not, it doesn't look like Bayern Munich wants to move on from Joshua Kimmich and Leon Goretzka as their two midfielders that they'll play. So I, I will tell you this, I, I you know... As much as I like Sabitzer and as much as I admire the way he plays and the type of player he has been and has proven to be, I think what would be best for his career would be to move on, find somewhere where he can play, and um, make the best out of these next couple of years. But of course, everyone's priorities are different, and what we do know about Sabitzer is he is a family man, he does want to stay in Germany, and if you're looking at winning trophies, there's probably not a better place to be than at Bayern Munich, so... It appears Sabitzer will say, and with that, we'll transition right to the fifth thing that we learned this week, and that is that there is a lot going on between the front office and the coaching staff, and I briefly mentioned the disconnect that I believe is going on and has been going on for the better part of a year now, or actually, why stop there? It's been going on since Hansi Flick took over. When Hansi Flick took over, he went right to Brazo and said, "We need things. We need these players." Brazo couldn't do it, wouldn't do it, didn't do it. That immediately put those two men at odds. Something that would eventually see Hansi that would eventually drive Hansi Flick to leave the club, and that's what happened. Right. So we all lived through that saga last year. It was a complete disaster, a complete mess. People were either on hashtag Team Flick or hashtag Team Brazo. It was a mess. And I think when Julian Nagelsmann was hired, everyone, whether you liked Flick or not, and I was certainly on Team Flick, you just wanted that to be over, and you just wanted a fresh start. You could see Flick wasn't happy. You knew he was moving on, and and the German national team was a perfect fit for him. So to be able to get a coach like Julian Nagelsmann, one that had Bundesliga experience, one that was young, and one that was innovative, and that was going to come and he was going to push the envelope at Bayern Munich, you were hoping that everyone that was involved in the flick fiasco could learn from it and would evolve from it. But I'll tell you what, after reading everything that has come out this week, it doesn't sound like anyone's learned anything from it. We have the same exact situation. Julian Nagelsmann is making requests for transfers. He's being shot down immediately or ignored. And with that, he's becoming frustrated. So now he's using the media to get his point across, which I'm sure is not going over well at Bayern Munich with the executives or the front office folks. Um, We could look at a lot of different things in this scenario. So what we do know is that when it comes to players like Nico Schlatterbeck, who ultimately signed with Borussia Dortmund, and that was just recently, or even going back to last summer, Nagelsmann wanted young Frenchman Amin Adli, who ended up signing with Bayer Leverkusen, Uh, He made personal phone calls and reached out to these players and tried to convince them. He went and he did the sales pitch. He was the coach that reached out. Then he left it in the hands of the club, and on both occasions, at least per the reports, he was ignored, and the club never followed up with those players. So ultimately, they chose to go elsewhere. So right away, you have Nagelsmann putting out this effort, reaching out to these players, Trying to convince them to come and then the club not following up. That has to be so frustrating, right? It has to be frustrating. And he's probably pissed. And I'm sure it wasn't just those two players. There were actually other players listed, but they were a little bit different scenarios than I would say Schlauterbeck or Oddly. So you have Nogglesman frustrated there. You also have Nogglesman wanting to run a system and trying to get players for that system and then not getting players that fit there. Or even working with the existing players on the roster who may not even have roles. So over the past year, we've seen Bayern Munich re-sign players like Thomas Muller, like Joshua Kimmich, like Leon Goretzka, like Kingsley Coman. We've seen them go out and get Leroy Sané a couple of years back. We know that Serge Gnabry is up for a contract renewal. We know about Robert Lewandowski, and we went into that situation uh, pretty in-depth. But do some of these players fit? Right, so Thomas Muller is Mr. Byron. He's not going anywhere. They would find a way to make him work. But does Kingsley Coman f- fit in a three-four-two-one? Is that the best way to use Coman? Probably not. To me, he is a natural winger, someone that would excel in a four-two-three-one, which is where I think he would be best. Serge Gnabry, I feel the same way. I feel like that he would work best in a four-two-three-one as a wing and be able to get the most out of his own ability. So will he work in this 3-4-2-1 of Julian Nagelsmann? We don't know. Um, and that's where the disconnect I previously referenced comes comes in and it's very prominent. If the coach is planning for one formation and the sporting director and his staff are planning the squad for a different formation, how the hell does this happen? Like how do we get to this point? And why was this not brought up during the interview process? Like, of course everyone wanted to hire Julian Nagelsmann. It was a natural next step for Bayern Munich at the time, right? If you were going to lose Hansi Flick, you had to get the best German manager available. And the last time I checked, Jurgen Klopp was not packing his bags at Liverpool. Thomas Tuchel was just with, was on the verge of winning a Champions League at Chelsea, right? those guys weren't walking through the door. So you got Julian Nagelsmann. you got the next best thing. You've got a proven winner in the Bundesliga, a young, talented, and innovative coach. And when you hire someone like that, you have to trust that coach to be able to do the right thing, to be able to hire his staff properly, to be able to go out and give input on players that he wants so he can run his system. And it appears right now that the disconnect mostly lies with what Nagelsmann wants to do versus how Brazo thinks Julian Nagelsmann should coach. And if the two aren't in alignment, we are steamrolling right toward another Hansi Flick situation, unfortunately. And until those two sides get aligned, we are going to have a lot of issues. And when I brought up Kingsley Coman and that, like, listen, I think Coman is great. But would you have been pressing as much to re-up him? if you weren't going to play a formation with a wing. I mean, and similarly, like, when you look at Serge Gnabry, uh, uh, his best position is as a wing. If you're not going to have a wing, do you feel any pressure to re-sign him, to offer him a contract extension? Because right now, I'm feeling like, no. (laughs) And it's not because I don't believe Gnabry could play one of those attacking midfield roles or anything like that, but... You have Jamal Musiala. You just signed Kingsley Coman. You have Leroy Sané in a longer-term deal. Um, Again, Sané, a wing who might not even be best equipped to play one of those attacking midfield spots. Uh, To me, there's just been a breakdown in the squad planning here for years, and I don't think that it necessarily means Brazo has done a bad job because he's gotten good players, and he's done a fantastic job retaining these players. But do they fit into what the coach wants to do? Are they pieces that the coach can work with? And that's what I'm unsure about. And and I think what pisses me off about the situation is that there shouldn't be this. This is an easy conversation. Hey, this is what my coaching staff is going to run. These are the types of players that we need to make this formation work. These are some specific players I think would be great for us. That's the type of conversation that needs to be ha- to be happening, and maybe it is. But my question is, why are we hitting these walls? Then is Brazo not listening? Is he trying to accommodate Nagelsmann and/or Flick's requests when he was there, and just not being able to get those types of players or those specific players? We don't know right now, and unfortunately, with the way things are going, this really could become a long-standing issue. And I don't think that anyone wants to see this. I don't think that anyone wants to go through and and have this situation where the coaching staff and the front office are just not in alignment. I'm really disappointed how this has played out. To me, this should have all been worked out long, long ago during the hiring process. And if the Bayern Munich executives and the front office, they didn't want to hire a coach that was going to run a back three, then you should not have hired Nogglesman because anyone who has seen him coach, you would know that that is his preference. You would know what kinds of players he likes just based on those Leipzig rosters or those Hoffenheim rosters. So to me, this is all nonsense. It's all something that should never happen. And I think at some point, Oliver Kahn is going to have to get more hands-on and figure out how to make things work. And if that mean, if they're going to keep Brazo and they're going to have him continue to run the squad planning, then they're going to have to find a way to make him be somewhat flexible with the coaches. And, or they're going to have to find some coaches that will just be puppets and run what the club wants them to run. And sure, you can find a good coach to do that. Uh, there are plenty of coaches that would love the opportunity to play for Bayern Munich, or to coach for Bayern Munich. It is a fantastic prestige position. But at this point, we can't seem to find a coach that can get the players he needs to run what he wants to run. And, and sure, that goes back to even Nico Kovac, who requested players and was shot down by Brazo, and ultimately tried to do the whole square peg in a round hole thing and coach the way that Bayern wanted him to, even though it was not his preferred style, not his preferred formation. And in the end, it probably led to why he was largely unsuccessful. And I don't mean in terms of wins and losses, but just in terms of where the direction, what the direction of the team was when he left. So there are issues at Bayern Munich. And that's not even diving into the whole financial issue of how this club is going to be able to compete in Europe when the revenue differences are so vast between the powers of the La Liga the powers of the Premier League and and you know Bayern Munich being really the only power financially from the Bundesliga so this is this is not going to be easy moving forward hopefully the board can find a way to make things work but it does seem that something's going to break eventually, probably over the course of next season. And whether that's the coach, Julian Nagelsmann, or the sporting director, Brazo, uh, that remains to be seen. The final thing I'll talk about is not something I learned this week, but it will be the entertainment update that I like to give. I did finally finish Ozark. And I will tell you, without giving any spoilers, I found the last season to be very good. I thought it was a good representation and good evolution of the storyline that started way back when, and I'll tell you, in terms of wrapping up a series and giving a satisfying ending and carrying the overarching theme of the show, Ozark did a tremendous job. Now, the ending, it won't make everyone happy. In fact, I can assure you it will piss some people off, but... If you go way back to the first episode and you think about what the show really was about and you follow the characters and their individual arcs and how they progressed over the course of the show, you would know that that show ended exactly as it should. And when I think about great endings of of shows, I think about Breaking Bad, which I thought had one of the, if not the best ending uh, of any show. Uh, that I've seen felt like the wire had a really poor last season, but a tremendous last episode, if that makes sense. Uh, I was not a fan of the storyline of the wires last season. I'll be honest, but they did find a way to get those last couple of episodes back on track. And the last episode was really good. The Sopranos last episode was a cop out. Uh, Deadwood, one of my other favorite shows, Got cut off because of funding, but did wrap things up years, years later with a movie. So not really great. Uh, we lost a little bit of its magic. Uh, Mad Men, I thought, went off the rails. I and mean, I could go on and on and list many, many shows. Game of Thrones, right? Like, I've lamented how that devolved rather than evolved over the course of time. It really started out tremendous and was a mess at the end because the showrunners were just done and wanted to move on with their lives and were sloppy. So when I look at Ozark and I look for a satisfying ending, this is exactly what I would hope it would be. And it's not a happy ending necessarily. It's not one that will really always leave fans feeling, fans of the show feeling great, but it is exactly how it should have been. So I will leave you with that. Uh, If you want to hit me up and discuss it further, I'd love to hear your opinions because I know many will probably probably be different than mine so hit me up on twitter you can hit me up also on the site the comments of this post i promise to respond so uh yeah big fan of ozark not a big fan of this week uh involved with Bayern munich because of all the nonsense and craziness that has happened so i think we're all going to need a couple beers this weekend i know for sure i'm going to have a few because i need it i really need it at this point so um Thank you all for listening. Again, thanks to my guy, Phil, for everything he has done. Tremendous uh, guy, tremendous presence on the site, and he'll be sorely missed. But as always, you can get me on Twitter at The Barrel Blog. You can get the site at FB works. You can get Tom, our tweetmeister, at TommyAdams71. You can get I Need No Name at BFWINNN. You can get Jake at Jefferson Fenner, and you can get Samarin and Schnitzel on our site. Schnitzel, of course, is on a bit of a hiatus, but Samarin is back in full effect, so please uh, badger her a little bit. She deserves it. I'm just kidding. All right, thanks again for listening. Have a great weekend. Enjoy Bayern Munich versus Wolfsburg in the Bundesliga's final match for Bayern Munich of the season. Uh, They have already clinched the title, but enjoy it anyway. Have fun with it. Hopefully. Brazo and Julian Noxman don't get in a fistfight on the bench, although that would make for some great banter on the site. Have a great weekend, and we'll see you next week.